What's happening, world? This is your host, the Wizard of Oz, Benji Wozniak, back with Kira. And today we're going to do the most dangerous movie ever made, Roar. Kira? All right. So my history with this movie is I had never heard about it. And then (laughs) Ben told me about it. And I was like, okay, I'll give it a shot. We'll see what's kind of going on. And then it was a movie. (laughs) We can, I'm going to have Ben lead because... I'm just, I don't have a lot of nice things to say about it, but it was a movie. So my wife recommended this movie because it is the most dangerous movie ever made. 70 people were injured. The lions were actually let to do whatever they wanted. They hurt people and there were lions being lions. The movie itself, terrible. Okay. This is the thing about the movie before we get into like all the drama of the movie. There was legitimately no plot. Also, if your family's coming to visit you, like, wouldn't you just, first of all, be there to pick them up, not go there like four hours later when they're getting mauled in your home or just be like, I'll stay at the house. You guys come to me. So they're not like, oh, why is this house infested with lions and tigers? It made no sense. Okay. One more thing. I got to get it off my chest before we get too into it. Tonally, this movie is insane. What kind of movie is it? Is it a movie about how we shouldn't be shooting wild animals in Africa? Probably a lot of the mauling scenes and the tiger scenes are shot like a horror movie. There's minimal dialogue. You just hear growling and you see real blood. It is real blood. People were really mauled in this movie. This is not like fake blood. This is people were hurt. People were hurt. We were talking a little bit off screen about it. Melanie Griffith lost her eye. No, I lost. She just got her face slid yeah, open. It just yeah. slid open. But it was near her eye. Yeah. I'm going to be dramatic about yeah. it. But Okay, so let's talk about the plot first. There is none. I've already told you about it. And then at the end of the movie, they're just all living happily ever after. It makes no sense. So for the first, I'll say 80 minutes of the film, it is just chaos and panic surrounding this family in this home, right? And then for the last 10 minutes when the dad's there, They're all chilling, having a great time, sleeping in bed with them, swimming in the lake with them, having their morning coffee. And it's like, when did this switch happen? Because I was you guys were all fighting for your lives five minutes ago. So what happens is in real life, Noel Marshall and Tippi Hedren were married. They had gone to Africa because she was filming. And when they were in Africa, they saw a game warden's house that had been overrun by a pride of lions. And it intrigued them. They thought it was very interesting. So they got this idea to make a movie. They were like, oh, we can make a movie. So when they went home, they decided to buy lion cubs and raise them in their home with their children. Now they did this. And in the process, they started getting, trying to get backers for a movie about this conservationist who lives alone with lions, whose family comes unexpectedly or expectedly. And there's a mishap where he leaves to get them and they show up on the thing and they leave them with the lions. It's basically what happened. It was insane. Uh, the man put so many people in danger. It was ridiculous. He imported 150 lions, tigers, panthers, cougars, elephants, uh, elephants, all kinds of big cats to California because they couldn't film in, in Africa. So this all happened in California. Like he built the set. The lions were let to roam free. And the film people that he hired, many of them were just people off the street that didn't know how to film. They were just random people that they brought it, can you do this job? And they're like, sure, but they really never had any kind of training to do the job, but they just wanted the money. So like they got these unexperienced people dealing with real big cats and a lot of people got hurt. 
uh, like 70 people got hurt. Yeah, mauled. Mauled. And so I think what was the most disconcerting part for me is you're watching the movie, right? And then the main guy, Noel, whatever, he is like play fighting with like, I love how they all have like really like innocuous names like Robbie. <laughs> this is my tiger, Robbie. <laughs> I was like, Jesus Christ. But so he's like playing with him and like you see that his hand gets bit. Yes. And then he just starts like free bleeding all over the tigers and like all over the place. And then he's like ripping up shirts for like a bandit. And I like this is real blood. Yes. It was like I was infected. like, yeah, it got infected. This movie was so crazy. So I was um, doing a little reading about it. it. Took 11 years to produce after they had to release it internationally first. And then they had to re- release it in America. Really crazy. They made no money off of it. Smash. The only place I think it did well was like Japan. <laughs> <laughs> what threw me about the movie knowing all this backstory before we started watching it was that there is a there is a title screen there's a title card that says no animals were hurt in the making of this movie doesn't talk about all the countless people that were hurt though yeah. it just says no animals were harmed in the making we're aff- affiliated with the humane society yeah. legitimately it says that. well as long as the animals are protected <laughs> I'm glad as long as- well, <laughs> and then unions came out <laughs> <laughs> And then, <laughs> see, the whole thing is like it says no animals hurt during the filming of this, and that's technically not true. Nope, because a, a tiger was shot by a cop. Uh, uh, yeah, there was a flood, and it they, they were in a basin, and it basically washed away the set and all the film that they had made. So the lions got free, and Robbie was one of them, and then three lionesses. And Robbie would roar at people. He wasn't harmful. He was just like very uh, assertive, and the cops didn't know this, so they killed Robbie. And he was one of the most tamest lions. And then the three lionesses got swept downstream to a town. So, like, here you have these townspeople, and they don't know. And all of a sudden, these lions come out, so they killed them. So, the animals were hurt during the filming of this thing. It's not on set. So, I think this movie is really funny. I mean, granted, it did, like, put Melanie Griffin on the map, which is kind of crazy. Like, it's just like, what? This film? Because it is. So, I did not understand like i obviously understood i have media literacy i understood the film but i also at the same point had no idea what was going on at any point in time so there's this one scene where these game fighters could there had to be a big bad right so the big bad is like these game fighter hunters that came in tigers just like flips their boat (laughs) like they're like he's like swimming in the lake and just like flips the boat so now these fighters are like these like hunters are mad and they're like we're gonna come back and we're gonna storm the house and we're gonna kill all these animals because i'm wet like it's so stupid yeah. Yeah. well yeah they got they, they got mauled like no it, well i know yeah. they got mauled in yeah. but it was just for the plot it didn't yeah. make any it sense. was it was <laughs> I am a little moist yeah, it was <laughs> then picking up and yeah. then passing missile. <laughs> yeah it was the the plot is terrible i mean the movie itself is just awful like i sat through it painfully but it's I, only an hour and a half and it felt like three hours yeah, but, but knowing like watching the documentary and then knowing what really happened and knowing that when this stuff's going on these people are really getting hurt like there's really? one part where Noel Marshall's on the staircase talking to his friend the lions are acting up and they're out fighting and then he's trying to calm him down and he's like Get, stop it stop it you know and he's yelling at the lions and all of a sudden but a real lion like went up and grabbed the back of his leg and ripped him down the staircase and like this guy ended up getting infected twice being in the hospital leaving the hospital to come to the, the set because of the flood trying to find out how many people died this guy was a lunatic for this movie i mean 
he was just insane, like running into herds of lions, like going, ah, screaming at him. And I'm like, that's a lion. That's a lion. <laughs> that's a lion. It's not a kitty cat. All right? I might do that with my cat, even though she's a Maine Coon, she's big. She's not a lion. And I think if you want to show a movie about how hunting big game is awful, it is a horrible act, and how we should be conser- like conserving these, like, spaces in africa and how we should be like conserving this wildlife i think to have a movie where like you want to incorporate like wild animals you have to do it with care because it's just showing how dangerous these animals are because if you're putting them in these situations where they're not comfortable they're going to attack because what do they know they don't they don't understand what's happening fight or flight yeah exactly they are primal creatures so i think it's kind of it's kind of the film kind of contradicts itself yeah not to mention he took take after take, knowing that it was a dangerous take, antagonizing the lions. And if you keep on poking the bear, it's eventually gonna... the bear is going to bite you. And that's what happened. Like, you, he kept on doing these, like, re- retake, retake. And, like, the lions don't. There's one pot in the documentary. He gets, get, someone's getting bit, and he's like, cut, cut. And I'm like, the lion don't know what cut me. <laughs> I'm cutting. (laughs) (laughs) But it's like, it's so true. And then like, I don't know, there's one scene, I forget the main, it's not Robbie, maybe it's like Tobias. I don't know. They all had stupid names. Toto, I don't know. It began with a T. Tomius, I don't know. So there's one scene where he is just walking around covered in blood. And I'm like, Tonga, thank you. Tonga. That's what I'm here for, people. (laughs) (laughs) Sidekick. He's like covered in blood though. And it's like, just like chilling walking around this compound with blood i'm assuming because he attacked someone and they couldn't wash it off (laughs) Uh, (laughs) no i the scariest part i thought was when they're eating the the zebra when the family's in the house and they drag the zebra carcass into the house and now the family is they're actually filming live while these lions are eating zebra live and there's blood going everywhere and like i don't know if this guy was aware of like the frenzy that a lion would have over blood and then you put your family in this house locked in there with these ravenous lions that are tearing apart a carcass no no way (laughs) no (laughs) not gonna happen it is and i think it just goes to show like when you don't understand because this was the first movie he made yeah. When you don't understand, no, it's the second. He he made The Exorcist. He he made a lot of money off The Exorcist, and that's why he ended up funding. The, um, right, the but he would he didn't direct The Exorcist. No, he just he just funded it. Like, yeah, he was a producer on yeah. it. But being a producer and being a director is two different things. I think yeah. you can you have to create realism in a film, especially when you're dealing with big cats. You can't have actual realism, yeah. and I think that was lost in translation. Yeah. And Tippi Hedren, she was the star of The Birds. I felt like this movie would have re-traumatized me if I filmed The yeah. Birds and then I filmed this. Yeah, and there's all indications that she did fi- have some kind of trauma from The Birds. Oh, she did. Yeah. I'm, well, she also outwardly speaks about how she was sexually um, harassed by Alfred Hitchcock. So, yeah. she has like a lot. He is not a good guy, I'm sorry to say, but so if we look at Tippi Hedren, so she did have all this trauma from working with him, filming the birds, being like attacked by these birds, and then you're going to throw her in the same situation with bear, like uh, lions. lions. Yeah. Homegirl <laughs> hates animals, I think. <laughs> well, she became an animal conservationist. No, I know yeah. she did. And, I, and that's the thing, like the message of this movie is important. We should not be going overseas and hunting these big games. You no. shouldn't. It is, you're ruining the ecosystem, you're ruining wildlife, and, it, and you're harming nature. So uh, with that being said, this movie 
does not make me want to conserve wildlife no. at all. No. It makes me want to stay far away from it. <laughs> I, th- I think what's interesting about this, right? So it totally bombed at the box office. How many documentaries, though, have we had now with, like, the guy who sleeps with wolves? Yeah. The, like, the other dude with the damn bears or whatever. Yeah. And then, um, well, Jane Goodall did the the good the gorillas and that was actually like super cute she got killed by by poachers she 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 was actually a a really good person that like actually helped the the gorillas if it wasn't for the poachers killing her like you know she'd probably still be what would you think could have been done differently to this movie that would have made it more stomachable and better at you know with audiences nowadays because i feel like even now this movie just sounds so ridiculous that so many like a lot more people would see it nowadays than they would have before Granted, it probably would have to be on like a streaming service. <laughs> right. we watched, so we had to watch this movie on YouTube. It was not available to stream yeah. anywhere. It's kind of buried. Yeah. I would say if you're going to make a movie like this, let's get one thing. Let's get a screenwriter who gives us a plot. Right. I need a plot for the story. Number one, let's get an actual conservation and actual animal trainers and actual people who work with wildlife. And on the set, let's create a safe set. Let's do some training. Let's do some exercises. Let's understand. And maybe let's not, if someone's bleeding, maybe not continue to film. I don't know. Maybe shut it down. And I think it's so crazy because when you look at a movie like this that was made in 1981, really before a lot of like set safety was involved, you had things that happened like this. But like now look at, um, not, I don't want this to come off like I'm supporting them, but Alec Baldwin is going to trial because he fired a gun that on set that killed someone. And it was a prop gun. So I think nowadays, there are so many things that are in place to help protect people that work on film. Yeah. And it was just not there. And I think this movie is so irresponsible. Yeah. So the guy who trained the elephants actually worked with animals. And there's a scene with a director who ends up being the director of Die Hard. He ends up becoming a famous director. But there's a scene where he puts a top over himself and, and his co, uh, co, co-filmer. And they're under this tarp and they're filming the boat scene. And the guy tells him, he said, look, you're getting the lions run over you. Eventually, they're going to want to know what's under the top. You're going to move and you're going to make a sudden movement and the lion's going to be curious. And he's like, yeah, you don't know what you're talking about. Shut up. So they kept on refilming the same scene over and over. And eventually he moved and the lioness saw him move and was curious. So she swiped at the, the at top the camera, yeah. and scalped him. They <laughs> scalped he this scalped. man. And really scalped him. If you look at the picture, he has the back of his head is missing. Like. And he ended up going to the hospital. But the crazy thing is, he came back to refilm. He did, which no, is crazy. No. <laughs> you got scalped. Listen, you don't go back. Listen, it's like an ex. You don't go back. You don't go back. <laughs> and I think it just is really insane because it shows like, I think when you're so passionate about a project and you really like want this movie to get made, you'll, you'll blind yourself. Yeah. And I think that's what was happening. I mean, Melanie Griffin says... Her and Noel made this movie together. It took them 11 years and then it ended their marriage. Like, this is all consuming. I think that shows because when you descend to a level of like consumption and madness, you're just focused on finishing this project. Yeah. And I think safety goes away. Yeah. Yeah. And this, um, there's rumors. I don't know how true it is, but there's rumors that. So, Melanie Griffith was Noel Miller, Marshall. Marshall, Noel Marshall. It was his stepdaughter. And like, supposedly, he continually put her in situations where she could get hurt i guess i don't know how true this is it's it was speculation but i guess that kind of also tipped tippy hendred to want to leave him because he she felt that he endangered melanie griffiths on purpose i mean that one scene where she's literally crying on the floor getting she mauled. got mauled 
And she and then she like gets up and hugs her mom. I was like, God, I'd be like, get me the f out of here. Right. Right. <laughs> and I- then the next scene, everyone, Noel shows up, everyone's happy go lucky, and then they're drinking tea. Yeah. What? How did we get here? Yeah. Yeah. I'm just envisioning right now the director being like, mm, I love that you're screaming, but I think we need more cowbell. Can we just, <laughs> I think we need more cowbell. <laughs> and it literally felt like that, Adam. Like, yeah. no word of a lie. Oh, uh, it was, it's so bad. It's such a bad movie. Uh, but, you know what's funny? And it says in the, in the documentary, if you watch the actors, they look like they're being held hostage on this film. Oh my and, God, they do. And you can see the terror in their faces. The guy who's supposed to be his buddy yeah. is literally, there's scenes where you can see that he's actually terrified. Like, scared to death to be in the room with these yeah. wild cats. And like, and he makes a couple of comments where, I mean, it was real comments he was really making, but they kept it in the movie to make it like, you know, shocking value. But he's like, you know, they're gonna, they're probably eating your family. <laughs> yeah, like they're eating your family right now. Right? And We're he's out like, here. Yeah, and he's like, stop it, stop it. But I guess he was really telling him that. He was like, look, you know, there's a good chance that your family's being eaten by his cats. And, you know, Marshall was like, uh, didn't want to hear it. He just wanted the, the film to continue. Can you imagine the, so, uh, like, I read, and I'm, I, uh, real quickly, <laughs> just a moment ago, did this, did this seriously take around, like, 11 years to make? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh, to to produce. So yes. they actually. So did they? So they've. So they filmed it, and then through getting funding to edit, cut, produce, distribute, that all took eleven years. The filming yeah. did not take eleven years. I yeah. was gonna say I was like, who that is just like almost getting mauled and coming back like no, <laughs> like four or five years later, like oh I got to do this again, but I'm still messed up from last time. No, they, <laughs> they sold their house. They sold everything. Like they lost money on this film, and then it was archived, and then someone else came across it and was like, oh. Let's put this out there because yeah. they felt that, you know, since it was made and since the fact it was called the most dangerous movie ever made, they felt that it should be put out. I'm just going to call it the worst movie ever made. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The reason why we have laws. And <laughs> yeah. yeah. Humane, humane issues. Uh, it's just. It's just what's so tough. And what I think is so funny is that you make this movie. It's a movie about Africa. You're making it exclusively in America. And then. When you finally release it, you have to release it internationally because you can't get it backed in America. Yeah. I think it's so funny. It's like no one wanted this movie no. besides Melanie Griffith and Noel Marshall. And T- Tippi Hedren. And t- oh, yeah. So I think like they they do special shout outs at the beginning to what, Tanzania? Yeah, they should. Yeah, because like I think that's where they get like their like remember how uh, in a previous episode we were talking about setting shots. Yes. So you have to get these setting shots and that's where it was. But I mean. We were speaking about like all these like I don't know just like wild cats being in this environment of just being untamed. Yeah, I will say that the the beginning of the movie, the music. Oh, it's beautiful! It, it's beautiful. Like in the scenery, I was like, oh, this is going to be good. I'm like, I was so disappointed. But the <laughs> the fact that like they have minimal dialogue and then they just have like this very like you said like happy almost comedic sounding music over these atrocious maulings yes. is tonally so crazy. Yes. Yeah, it is crazy. And I, I just can't believe 70 people got mauled and like, I, and they came back. They came back. I, I just, I don't get it. I don't get it. I would not come back. Yeah. Especially seeing the chaos. Like, they, if you watch the movie, they show like the lions, the tigers, and the pumas, and the cougars destroying the house. They really did that. They really did. Yeah. 
They also really rode a, a skateboard. I just yes. watched it. Yeah. Super cute, guys. Gary. You need to see Gary. You need to see it. Yeah. The yeah. re-release oh, trailer. Oh, for the record, though, on YouTube, the re-release trailer, which is uh, in like 2015, has almost a million views. Yeah. That is, yeah. yeah. Like, there's interest there. There's interest. It's a skateboard. <laughs> maybe maybe we should have just watched the re-release trailer and then nothing else. <laughs> so maybe we would have liked the movie. <laughs> so there's an interesting thing because that's little Gary. Gary is the son of the main cat, Robbie. There's a scene where his hand is bitten and he goes in and he's talking to Gary. And Gary's like, basically, Gary gets a taste of the blood on his hand and he's yeah. trying to rip the things off him. And he's playing with it like he's like, oh, Gary, you're joking around. And Gary wasn't joking around. <laughs> Jared, Gary was not joking around. It was actually horrifying to watch because I thought his hand was going to get bitten off. Yeah. Yeah, because little Gary is a, he's, he's a lion. He's a lion. <laughs> he tasted your blood. <laughs> it, uh, I, yeah, I, um, I was shocked when I started watching it. Yeah. Just to think that, like, I don't know. I think it just shows, like, the madness that goes into a project. Yeah. And how that can, like, really derail and become unsafe. And I think we hear a lot about how directors create this kind of like, and I know we're getting away from it, but creates these like toxic work environments where they're all consuming. And I feel like this is a perfect example of how when you create something like that, the movie will fall apart. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you got to have safety. You got to. You got to have safety and you have to, and if your actors aren't safe or then how can they do their best? We said they look scared all the time. Yep. Terrified. Like Real the, tears. And like, you know, this was made where they didn't have the rules and regulations, but people have lost their lives when they do have rules and regulations. Brandon Lee. Exactly. Brandon Lee, the, the prop gun shot him, killed him. Now we have, what do you call it, uh, Baldwin facing the same thing where the prop gun shot, killed, killed somebody. I mean, safety first. Uh, you got to. I mean, these, these people's lives are we're talking yeah. about. This isn't like, you know, like a comedy or the, this is tragic events that have happened in life. In life, and I think, and I mean, I think it's also tragic that big game is hunted in Africa for sport. Yeah. That is also horrific and tragic. So I don't want to try. I I feel like I'm making a lot of fun of this movie, but I don't want to take away from that message because I do think it's the only redeeming part of this film. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and I think that they've made a lot more movies where it, it deals with the like conservation of yeah. uh, Africa and the wildlife and stuff. This one could have been so much better they they it had it, the meaning like you said it was a good meaning behind it but just the guy didn't know what he was doing and that's the thing like you can i think this is where i hate studio notes if you guys have listened to the podcast you know i talk about this often but i think with studio notes you can't have a producer go from being an executive producer to being a director because you don't understand. I'm so sorry. You really don't. If we look at like Dr. Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, we've just been talking about this movie a lot. So I'm going to bring it up. You can see Sam Raimi's direct vision and then everything that feels off is a studio note. And you can tell that executive producers and Marvel was in there being like, you got to change this. You got to change this. We're funding it. You got to change this. You got to change this. And I think when you get that mindset as a producer, when it's time for you to make your own movie, you're like, oh, well, no one's going to tell me no. I'm backing this myself. And it's like, homeboy, you don't know how to make a movie. Yeah. And it shows. And it shows. Yeah. It does. It's it's actually, it's it's funny you mention that because like in the art world, it's it's such a big thing too. Yeah. Just the people, you know, the people funding it just don't. Like they have the business aspect of it, but like even even let's just take schools for example, like schools and art programs. Like 
you know, you have you have business people funding that. You have, um, you know, the leadership within a school, typically like a private school nowadays, because they've taken art classes almost out of every school. But you know, the, it's, it's kind of the same thing there. They're just like, how many kids can we pump into a classroom? You know, just make them produce stuff. It's yeah, like the you know the business mindset is not the same as an artist's mindset, and it, and it really does make a difference when you try to merge the two of them together. Exactly. And I think just like speaking of this is a very off topic, but I think it shows that like there is no real creativity under capitalism. And because when you're under this like capitalist idea of like you have to make revenue and you have to produce and you have to do all these things, you're taking a lot of the art away from it. And this is why I think we'll never have art like we had during like the Renaissance era where you just had patrons who were just like, I have so much money, make whatever you want. Yeah. And now you have well, we need views. We need X amount of money. We need this by this time. Or, and, it, and I think it's really cr- killing a lot of creativity. Not saying that there's not new creatives, because there are, but they, I feel like, have to work extra hard to break through that. Yeah. And I get it, too. It's, you know, like, I guess an, I guess an easy thing to be, uh, like, to say would be like, all right, well, you know, if you're going to have someone that involved with movies, and what is their film background, you know, maybe they should be doing a lot more with film, bef- you know, and really get a core understanding of what it means to be in film, and like, what level does it take in school, but at the same time, like, one, you know, how much of your life do you have to spend on this? We're humans, and we... <laughs> You know, we only have so much life to live. And then two, like, it does take a different mindset to be, you know, to have this, like, business-style mindset. And I think it's another thing just in the, the artist community in general is, you know, like, artists can create, but, you know, it's kind of a, like, a reoccurring theme where a lot of artists just have difficulty with the business aspect of it. How do I charge for my work? How do I go and, like, you know get this thing done even just something as simple as like keeping up your finances your expense reports and everything else it's just you know it's a lot of work for one person to do so like you know will we ever see these two worlds come together and what does that even look like what does it even look like and i think if we're gonna i mean i would love to have you back on adam so we could talk about some art world movies i'd love to talk about a uh, velvet buzzsaw and then the new Candyman, if you ever have time because i would love to talk about how those two films include the art world in a way that is destructive so i would i would i think if we're on this on this train of thought i think that would be fun for next time because i have a lot to say that does not have to do with roar <laughs> yeah, yeah understandable <laughs> I, I will say the man that made this marshall his grand scheme was to show harmony between humans and big cats and there is a scene where it's sort of a grand staircase like the show we just talked about where him and his friend are sitting on the grand staircase and they're surrounded by this pride of lions. Like they're going up the stairs, around both sides. And it's supposed to be like this beautiful shot where everybody's getting along and like harmony is in peace. But nothing ever goes the way you want in life. And he got hurt. He got ripped down the staircase. And it just shows you his concept was ripped down. His concept was ripped down. And I think it also goes to show that, yes, you can live in harmony with big cats and with wildlife. But you can't you can't do it in a controlled setting like a film because then it's no longer their experience. You're trying to force them into your experience, which is unfair to them because they have no concept of that. Right. They're animals. And it's cute that he's riding on a skateboard. But the fact of the matter is he shouldn't be on a skateboard. He should be out in the wild. He's a wild animal. Like, like, like you're going to make a movie about conservation shit, but then you're going to import 150 lions like. Right, Right. It feels weird. Untrained. And put them with people. (laughs) Yeah. It feels like point A and point B did not connect in any way. No. Definitely, definitely not well thought of. 
No, not at all. So, anything else you'd like to add? I'm good. Don't watch the movie. No. Uh, literally watch anything else. <laughs> watch the, watch the, the trailer. Yeah. Watch, yeah. watch the documentaries because those are good. I'd like to thank my wife, Kim, for pointing this movie out because it was basically the most dangerous movie ever made and she is 100% correct. It is a shit show. So thank you, hon. Love Shout you. Shout out, Kim. Shout out, Kim. All right. So tune in next time to What's Happening.